Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, our kink panel discusses how to talk to your partner about your fantasies and kinks, what happens if your partner says no, plus fantasy versus real-life play. We'll be able to uh, discuss especially erotica writing as we have an erotica author on the program as well. That's all coming up after 10.15, but first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. Remember, you can always email me to laurie at drlaurie.com if you'd like to send me your question by email, or you can text me right here right now at 514-800. Hello, Dr. Laurie. Last night, you read a message from a woman who left her husband because he was abusing her. She mentioned that she once listened to a person who escaped and called a friend from a phone booth. I am certain that was me. It makes me happy to think that my message to you gave someone else the courage to leave. I left because I never realized I was a prisoner in my own home and was being abused and listening to your show about how someone left a bad situation gave me the courage. I have my life back because of you and your show and a close friend who never asked why. He just came and rescued me and gave me a roof, a bed and took care of me, no questions asked. I will always love him for that. He was the only person who kept in touch during my terrible married years, but I was only allowed to talk with him on the phone with my husband present. He did want me to break ties with him, but I had to beg him and tell him it is the only friend I have in the world. Never allowed to use the phone otherwise if he was not home, not allowed a cell. Sometimes you do not see how bad things are until you hear from others in the same situation. Good for her for leaving, and I can tell her this, it gets better, much better. So thank you for that follow-up, and yeah, she it might have been you. Although over the years, I have to say, we've probably received quite a few uh, letters and phone calls and texts from people in abusive uh, relationships ready to make that move. So um, it is inspiring to others and to know that, yes, there is good on the other side of that. Good evening, Dr. Lori. My wife and I really enjoyed last night's show. Something was mentioned about the last Baby Boomer show, and it is our favorite show. Will there be another Boomer show soon? Same guests, Mallory and Mark. We are hoping so. The hour breezed by, and we loved every minute. So, yes, the Boomer panel is a regular panel on uh, once a month. So uh, I'll, I'll keep you posted as to when the next uh, Boomer panel will be, next week or the following week. Um, I have been molested by my stepfather when I was really young. Now I'm watching rape porn and I'm not sure what about it keeps me watching them. Am I evil? Actually, this is probably a a question that our our panelists can answer as well when it comes to uh, fantasies. So obviously, I'm, I'm very sorry that you had to go through this as a child because this is a terrible trauma for any child to endure. But as for getting turned on by rape scenes in porn or rape fantasies, believe it or not, this is a very common type of fantasy and in no way indicates that a person actually wants to be raped. Let me repeat that. In no way does having such a fantasy indicate that a person desires to be actually raped. 
all right? Um, and the unfortunate thing is that many people who have these fantasies feel terrible about themselves for, uh, for having them. So remember one thing about actual rape. Rape is about power, control, and humiliation. When a person fantasizes about it or gets turned on by it, they are the ones in control. It's nothing like the real thing where you are not given a choice. So having these kinds of fantasies as a survivor of abuse does not mean that there is something wrong with you, much less that you are somehow like evil as you, as you say. So we know that rape fantasies are quite common. So you are also like many other people who have these, these same, uh, fantasy. So the only thing that concerns me is that you are negatively affected by having, uh, by having these, uh, these types of fantasies or watching, you know, porn where this, this type of thing goes on. If your thoughts about rape are intrusive or you feel you cannot control them or there's no other way for you to get aroused, then I would say, um, see a therapist, see a therapist who can help you with your healing process, especially if you haven't dealt with the impact of that childhood, um, abuse. Bottom line is there is that there, um, there really doesn't seem to be a connection, at least in the literature between having been a victim of sexual assault and rape fantasies, but from a purely psychological or even like a, a, an unconscious level, it's also a way to gain control over a situation. So if you, if this has happened to you and in your fantasies, you're actually the one controlling it. So it might be a way for the brain to kind of, um, to heal by, by being in control in a situation where there wasn't any control. So that's as, uh, I mean, it's a complicated thing and maybe our, uh, our King panelists may want to add a little bit more, uh, to that when they, uh, when they come on at 10, 15, do you think it's possible that two people could have a relationship without sex and still be just as happy as people that do say a couple gets married and one of them is asexual or sex adverse and the other is a regular warm blooded human being. Couldn't they have a long-term sexless marriage right from the start and still be just as romantic and devoted to each other as anyone else? It is possible. I do believe it's possible, but the but is that you both have to be on the same page. If one of you is frustrated because of the lack of sex, then this is going to impact the rest of your uh, relationship. Couples can and do survive without sex, but they usually cannot survive without other forms of connection like affection or, um, emotional intimacy. Those things are absolutely vital. So a sexual person may agree to continue a relationship with someone who considers themselves or, or is asexual, but it has to be a discussion. Like you've got to be able to, uh, to talk about this, to see the person with their sexual desires, what are they going to do 
about that, right? Is it going to be just masturbation? Are they going to have an open relationship? Is that person going to be allowed to uh, go uh, go elsewhere? Will they have a don't ask, don't tell kind of uh, arrangement between them? Many different arrangements are possible, but open sexual communication is absolutely vital. Uh, coming up, our alternative sex or kink panel will join me to discuss sexual fantasies, uh, sharing, and what happens if a partner says no, and how to cope with that, and also, of course, COVID and meeting up with new people and whatever else comes up. It's up to you, 514-800 if you have any questions. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Let's have a little kinky fun. Uh, alternative sexuality, the first uh, Wednesday of every month, we talk about things that are, uh, uh, I don't I don't even want to say, I used to say outside the norm, but really it isn't because so much kinky behavior is within the norms these days. Uh, very different than maybe when I started the show, you know, over 20 years ago when maybe it was a little bit more outside the norm. And then, of course, you know, you have popular films and things that have popularized BDSM and books and things like that. So um, now pretty much, um, I don't want to say run of the mill, but not too far off, not too far. At least we're talking about it a whole lot more. And uh, my usual... Kingsters are with me tonight. Uh, joining me are Catherine of BDSMCircle.com. Hi, Catherine. Hi. Thanks and for having me. Always a pleasure. And uh, Lexi Silver, who is a uh, writer of Erotica. She is an expert in the swinging lifestyle and more. She's a sexual uh, health educator as well from LexiSilver.com. Hi, Lexi. Hi, Lori. Thanks for having me back. Oh, it's always a pleasure. So one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I don't think we got to it last uh, last month, you know, there's always new things that come up, and I think we had talked about adjusting to uh, COVID dating and, and what you can do and, and, you know, meeting safely. And I don't think that I don't think any of the club. I don't have any of the clubs opened up that you guys usually frequent. The dungeons. The is this all happening now? Is it open? Is it legal? Uh, what? What? What's the scoop on that? <laughs> there's, there's some that have opened, and some have opened and closed, and some it's tentative. But they're they're trying to put in rules and and trying to do it safely. I haven't gone. Right. At all. I'm, right. I don't. I, I don't think that it's at my personal level of comfort for safety, no right. matter what they try to do, just the situation. I don't go to a bar either. I just don't think it's safe either. And, uh, right. But, yeah, they're, they're starting to come and be open. And, and I, I suppose, yeah. I'm, and I'm thinking about, like, uh, places like uh, dungeons, for example, where there's equipment. Uh, they're a bit like a gym, right? There's people sure. sweating there and whatever yeah, so and, and normally even in kind of non-covid times there should be um like cleaning fluid and a cloth there that it it's considered etiquette to clean after yourself right but now i'm i believe they're actually having someone assigned to do it so it's thoroughly and and right. properly done in, in between each each uh person right. as opposed to like 
on the hour, because, you know, you might have had three people play on that equipment in an hour. Right. Lexi, right? But, yeah, yeah, what, so go ahead. what about the lifestyle clubs and swinging clubs? Some are certainly open. I think it's just a matter of, you know, my own personal comfort, like Catherine said as well. I haven't gone. I know some people who have gone, and mm-hmm. they've enjoyed themselves as well. They typically are, if masks are required, of course, inside, there are different stations to clean up, disinfectant, that kind of thing. But um, it is, it, in the sex club scenario, they're suggesting slash recommending, and you can't see, but I'm doing air quotes over here, right. uh, <laughs> to, <laughs> to uh, you know, play with your own partner and to kind of just be a voyeur and to, you know, what you can watch other people, but to try ah. to avoid interacting with others or use the glory hole kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, okay. you have a barrier between you, you could still get kinky, but you know, there are risks involved, you know, still you need to wash your hands. There's, you know, a lot of, there's, there's a lot of, uh, it, it's, it's risky. No matter what you do, it's risky. If you leave your house and you're playing with anyone else or you're in an environment where other people are sweating and, you mm-hmm. know, uh, touching and breathing and breathing hard because, you know, of course they're involved, excited. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, so it, it's a risk no matter what you do. If you, you know, you can you can calculate your risk if that's something you're comfortable doing, just kind of venturing out and watching other people. You're okay with wearing your mask. You're okay with not, you know, uh, playing with anyone but your own partner. You're okay with wiping down certain surfaces. You're okay with that. That's up to you, knowing that there is still always a risk. Um, that is totally your prerogative. Um, right. But I'm waiting. Personally, yeah. I'm waiting. <laughs> and I feel the same way about, well, anywhere else. For me, it's about what's in the air. Also, the stuff that's yeah. airborne, right? So yeah. I get it. Yes, of course, wear a mask. Uh, I hope that they're wearing a mask because it is in a public place. Although I, I imagine it's hard to kiss and do other things when you've got your masks on. But, yeah. uh, you know, keeping that social distance, there's usually alcohol involved in these places. It's like... Very, again, you've, you know, you've got to take, you've got to be willing to take those risks, but I I don't know. To me, it's bigger than that. There's, there's the risks, but there's also putting other people at risk, you know, outside of that environment. So, but you know what, here's the thing I heard earlier today, uh, one of the top doctors, main doctors saying that social distancing might actually go on for the next three years. It could. So what are we going to do? Like, you know, <laughs> hold everybody back. Like people are going to go nuts if we say, sorry, social distancing, no sex, <laughs> you know, only glory holes. Like that isn't fair. Uh, that only, you know, suits one gender basically. Well, then it's time to get creative. Well, there's, uh, there's, yeah. there are lots of things that we could do to be, get creative when there's still social distancing involved and you are open or kinky. Uh, there are, you know, maybe a little different than a dungeon scenario in the sense of if you are in a dungeon scenario and you are playing in that space, uh, as Catherine can attest to, you can, you, there are some things you can't really keep your distance from depending on what kind of play you're doing. If you're flogging somebody there, you know, you could do that at a distance, but you won't be six feet apart. That's just impossible. Right, right. Um, you know, but in a, in a scenario where you're just trying to be kinky, um, where you could, you know, be in a, let's say in a car, um, and someone else could be, uh, you could have other partners in a car far away from you, for example, like uh, keeping your social distance <laughs> and masturbating in front of each other or doing video <laughs> chats and stuff like that. Or, you know, um, we're creating a sex pod where you are all people who are committing to quarantining or, yes. you know, being safe. 
and you know that if you are all healthy in the sense of you are doing everything that you possibly can to um, not go out there, you're wearing masks, um, you are not putting yourself or others at risk, you can create a pod where you could be three or four or multiple people, um, hopefully keeping it as, as small, limited numbers as possible, and you could play within that pod. Right, and um, that's the so- recommendation I've uh, that uh, has come through. Uh, from the higher ups, you know, the, in terms of guidelines and stuff, those are some of the recommendations that limit the number of sex partners and create these bubbles, yeah. these, these sex, even, you know, sexual partner bubbles with people that you trust are following the guidelines, the way you're following the guidelines and the inner circle. Yeah. It's a, your inner circle. So I suppose Catherine, you could do that with your subs or, or, Absolutely. you know, you're, have and, you, and we have, Oh, you have done that. Absolutely. Okay. So you, because they're subs, we get to, to tell them exactly how they can expose themselves or can't. <laughs> so you keep them on a, on a tight leash, so to speak, <laughs> Fig- figuratively and, uh, and literally speaking, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess these are times when people do have to uh, to get uh, to get creative for sure. I wonder if it's also a good time to even better time now to start talking to a partner simply about your fantasies and some things that you may want to try in the future um, or what have you. So that might be something, but. You know, here's the thing, when you talk about fantasies that are more kinky, it could also drive a wedge if, like sometimes, and I've seen this happen, that's why I'm saying this, like I've seen, you know, I had a client and he had a a cook-holding fetish where he liked to be, uh, to feel humiliated by, by his partner, by her describing you know cuckolding is about just describing like how other partners partners, how big they are in comparison to you how great they are in comparison so it's a form of humiliation it's not an uncommon uh fetish from what i understand but the fact that it was shared later in a relationship even though this was an important part of this person's sexuality it kind of broke up the relationship. It, like the the other person could not handle it. So we need to be able to say, okay, at which point, these are the questions, at which point in a relationship do we start talking about our fantasies, especially if they're somewhat fetishistic, right? And, and there's something uh, not just like your run-of-the-mill uh, fantasy of a threesome or, you know, that kind of thing. Um that's number one. Number two is how we have to talk about how not just the fantasy, but is it something that you want to do in real life? So there's a difference between in real life and fantasy. And what to do if your partner says, ew, you know, like this is not for me. I don't want to do this. So there has to be a um, an evaluation, I guess, of how important this fantasy is to you. And how important is it for you to, A, talk about it and B, act it out? So those are all the questions we're going to try and deal with tonight. So I want you guys to think about this because you are in the know and I'm sure you've had to deal with this many times. I know that in my in my practice as uh, just working it with uh, people and their sexual problems, 
this has come up multiple times, multiple times where a partner shares a particular fetish that they may have practiced in the past, that they want to practice in the future, or that they are practicing in secret that, a, that somebody finds out about, and it has been very destructive to the relationship. So we want to avoid getting to that point. We want to know how to do this well, so it doesn't lead to potentially the end of your relationship. So, uh, Lexi Silver and Catherine of BDSM Circle will give us their, their tips on how to handle this situation and uh, how to talk properly to your partner about your fantasies and fetishes so that it doesn't, uh, end up destroying your relationship. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Tonight, the first person to call in with a question about kink for our, for our alternative sexuality panel will win an ebook of mating season, fabulous erotica written by our very own Lexi Silver, who is one of our uh, guests tonight, as well as Catherine of BDSMcircle.com. So give us a call at 514-790-0800. Ask a question, win the book. That's as simple as it gets. Uh, I know it's sometimes it's a little di- more difficult to get people to call in when it's about kink. <laughs> it's because like sex is taboo enough. Kink is, a, you know, just one notch above that, right? <laughs> or several notches above that. I don't know. All right. So you had, you heard all my questions about, you, so you've got a kink, a particular fantasy. Let's start with the ones that you maybe wouldn't want to try because maybe we need to make that distinction. Not every fantasy is something people want to actually try in, uh, in real life. Lexi, what do you think about that? So, you know, you, we talked last time uh, a little bit. We, we were trying to sort of get into this topic of the kinds of fantasies that would be deal breakers. Like if they're not happening, if you, if your partner is not okay with it. And then the kinds that are, you know, like, like you just suggested things that maybe are just hot to say out loud or could be, you know, incorporated into like some kind of sex play in terms of, you know, telling your partner, Oh, it would be so hot if I were were to watch you with another person, that kind of thing um those are so much easier to Mm. get into right because there's no uh consequence really in the sense of your relationship being uh, you know being in a perilous state really it could go awry if if certain if it's not you know boundaries are not respected if certain you know if someone does feel very uncomfortable but it's a lot easier to just tell your partner, hey, you know, I think it would be really hot if we, you know, talked about this during sex or if I could talk to you, you know, like envision the scenario of maybe saying, um, you know, uh, creating this this fantasy of we're having a threesome while having mm-hmm. sex. So just talking about it, bringing those kinds of things up with your partner, you could do that in a lot of different sexy ways. But it's it's safe because right. if your partner's not into the idea, you're not going to feel super offended because you don't want to do it in real life. 
Right. And it's just hot to explore. It's just like a sexy way to kind of kink up, you know, um, your your usual sexual repertoire. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not threat. It, and it's much less threatening. Although your partner may say to you, D- you're telling me this. Do you want to do this? Like sometimes there's that insecurity that pops in thinking, are you not satisfied with me? Like, why are you wanting to go? And so we have to, we kind of have to bust that myth a little bit. I think that's something that it's, it would be a good idea, in my opinion, to talk about that kind of at the beginning. So you can tell your partner like, hey, you know, this isn't something I really want to explore. I think it'd be really hot to talk about this Mm -hmm. during sex or as a kind of foreplay. You know, dirty talk is so hot. It's such a great way to seduce your partner. And you can involve a lot of different fantasies in that kind of kinky talk that maybe you don't want to do in real life. But I think by telling your partner right from the get-go that you just want to envision this and explore this in words with them, that maybe it's not something you want to follow through on, but you want to just experiment with talking about it. I think by saying that kind of right off the bat, your partner is already thinking, okay, so this is just kind of a sexy foreplay. Let's go with that. And it takes a lot of pressure off and takes away all those thoughts, those insecurities. Right. Now, Catherine, when we talk about, because we've had this conversation many times uh, with you about people who have kinks that they absolutely need in their life um, and how to share those versus things that they might want to try, you know? Um, So how do you, how do you approach those two? Well, one thing I'll say is, yeah, there's a big, big difference. If you're starting to look at somebody with a twinkle in your eye and it might lead somewhere, then you need to tell them about your fetishes. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go into great detail, but you need to at the very beginning to start feeling them out. If, If it's one that isn't that big of a deal to you, then say, you know, it's something like this. I don't know if I'd really want to do it or not. It's just kind of hot to sometimes think about or whatever. But if it's part of what, you know, really makes you tick, if it, if feet do it for you, for God's sakes, tell her. Mm-hmm. If you're one, if, if cuckolding, for instance, a great example, because that's one a lot of partners will have a big problem with. Right, right. Um, you know, you need to say it right off because there is that person who is going to get that twinkle in their eye for cuckolding just like you are. And it's going to think it's, the, the wrong person, it's going to be disastrous. It so, could be, yes, know, and it could be like, a, it could be a yeah, big turnoff. Exactly, mm-hmm. it's like what you you want me to fool around on you. I'm I'm a good faithful woman or a good faithful husband. Blah blah blah. It, I mean, really, it can end a relationship. Right. So before you invest and have you know a few years or ten years or longer with this person that you love. And now you have to choose between your sexuality and, and this person, you know, do it at the beginning. There's lots of, of ways to meet compatible people. If it's something that is important to you that you don't want to live the rest of your life without, then you need to address it at the beginning. I think that you just said that. If, if it's something you cannot live you cannot see yourself living the rest of your life without, then it should absolutely be something that is talked about at the beginning. And I think Lexi, it's a little bit like being in a, in the lifestyle, right? You can't, you can't be the kind of person who knows they are non-monogamous, go into a relationship with someone who might think you are into monogamy because they are. 
Absolutely. And that's what we were talking about in terms of deal breakers. So for me, you know, at this stage in my life, if I, I'm, I'm in a, you know, long-term relationship, or, well, I'm in several relationships, but let's, let's, well, the, I'm in a, one main. You're married, um, the, for I'm God's married. sakes. I'm I was at age. your wedding. You're the, married. The, you were, and that was a great <laughs> wedding. Um, but at this stage of my life, if I wasn't with him and I was, you know, just out there, you know, meeting people, dating, all that, it, I would be very upfront with the fact that I'm open and this is who I am. And I, this, so if you want to be with me, this is the kind of lifestyle that I will be living. And I, if you're not okay with that, then that's fine. But that means that this is not going to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, so because it's my orientation, some people are in the lifestyle because, you know, it's fun, it's kinky, but they could live without it. It's right. not really, it's, it's more a fun thing for them. It's an additional, it's an enhancement, right, to their mm-hmm. relationship. But they could live without it. I can't because okay. it's part of who I am. It's my orientation. So in, in that sense, it is a deal breaker for me. And right. just like, for example, uh, you know, like, uh, like Catherine was saying, if it's something that I know that I can't live the rest of my life without, then I have to say it up front. I would say it to any potential partners before mm-hmm. I start, you know, in getting involved with them. That we're talking before the first date because there's no point in going on that first date if I already know that they Good don't point. have this mentality. Right, Catherine? I would like to add that, you know, what you, you think is a fetish you can't live without at 25 may not be the case when you're 45. Mm. So if yes. you really think if that really turns your head and gives you that special feel, even if you've never really explored it, you need to talk about it. Right. Because there's things that can, you know, and I'm sure, Dr. Laura, you've seen this in your practice where, you know, well, I, I kind of used to like feet, but now I need to be feet. Mm-hmm. And it and it can it can get even greater later on in in life as you know once and I'm sorry to say this but once you've been sleeping with the same person for thirty years or twenty five years, you know you're you're looking to explore the rest of your sexuality if 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 that's the way you're if tilted. that's so, your if that's your thing of course right we we thing. already so, know some people are 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 in fact wired for monogamy and that's fine but we also know some are not like Lexi was saying. For her, it's an orientation. We'll address what happens if your partner uh, says no. We'll talk about uh, people feeling pressured also by others' uh, others' fantasies or, or kinks. Passion with Dr. Lori Batido. On CJAD 800. It's our kink panel tonight. Uh, always have fun with these guys. Uh, Lexi Silver joins us. She is the author of uh, Mating Season. It's an erotica book, a book full of erotic stories. Uh, she is uh, also an expert in the swinging lifestyle. You can find her at LexiSilver.com. Uh, Lexi with an I, Silver with a Y. I love that. Uh, <laughs> .com. And we have Catherine of BDSMCircle.com. BDSM Circle has been around for eons, like since the beginning of the internet. So, yeah, I know, it makes you feel old, except that you were one of the few sites that people could go to to get quality information about all of this when this was relatively new. 
uh, went, well, the exposure was new, right? So, um, and for sure, I mean, you know, you, when I wrote my book, you, you guys are in there, like it's a whole, uh, uh, you, you, you're definitely the go-to site for information. It's a great uh, resource, like a library of information on, on the BDSM, uh, lifestyle. So we are talking about fantasies talking about okay so let's say you have a partner that you're in love whatever you're you're in a relationship with this partner and only you haven't told them about a fetish and now you say um hey could we try this you know and the partner says Ew, no, 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 I, no, this is a turnoff for me or this is not what I like. What do you do in a situation like that? Uh, I can okay. I can start with this one. Yes, Lexi, um, <laughs> So uh, I think also sometimes it comes down to uh, also the way you're asking. Okay. Um, because depending on what it is, sometimes the way that you ask the question or the way that you communicate uh, to your partner that is something that you want to try, sometimes it could have, um, it could be really intense. So for example, let's say my ultimate goal is I want to have a gangbang with my, with my, with my husband or my partner or whoever. Okay. That's a pretty intense visual for, let's say, yes. going from, from monogamy, let's say, to <laughs> gangbang. Okay, cool. So Saying to my partner, uh, who, that, who I'm monogamous with, that I want to have a gangbang. Right away, the immediate answer is going to be, oh, my God, no. Right? That is a, typically the answer that I'm going to get. Right. Okay? So if I ask it that way, I'm going to probably get a no. However, if I get there to the gangbang fantasy over a period of time by asking certain questions, getting, you know, um, getting more information to my partner. So for example, watching a movie together where firstly we start with a threesome scenario. Mm -hmm. So the idea of, okay, starting off with maybe one extra person being involved in this scenario. How do you feel about that? What do you think about that? Or, you know, oh, my friend, uh, you know, told me they were involved in a threesome with like two guys. What do you think about that? And get a feel for how your partner might, start, how they tick. Is mm -hmm. that something that might be interesting? Even just one other partner. Maybe the answer is no, no problem. Just because it's a no, by the way, right away, doesn't mean it'll always be a no, just starting mm -hmm. with that. Okay. Sometimes it's a no and it will always be a no. If it's always a no, but it is one of those deal breakers and I waited 15 years to tell my partner, oh my God, you know, this is a, a fetish of mine that I've always wanted to do and it's, you know, uh, a deal breaker for me if we never do it, which I mean, something like a gangbang might not be that deal breaker, right. just saying. Um, but if it were, um, then, you know, there are other conversations that can be had. For example, maybe they don't want to participate in the gangbang, but they would be okay with me doing that on my own. Just saying, there is always a possibility. Mm -hmm. Alternatively, there is also the idea of just having those conversations and maybe in injecting that kind of talk into uh, like as a fantasy, something we talk about during sex, maybe that might be a turn on for them as a warming up sort mm -hmm. of um, exercise, let's say. Right. But if it's a no forever, let's say they're like, absolutely not. I don't want to share you with anyone. I don't want to see that. I don't want to hear about it. Then I have to make a decision on my own, right? right. That, then it comes down to me. Is this something that I absolutely cannot live without? Or is this something that I am able 
to respect my partner's, you know, boundaries with this and not actually have to engage in it. Maybe I could write a story about it and get it out that way. Maybe there are other ways that I am able to kind of get rid of that sexual energy while, you know, living it out maybe in my own imagination, but not doing it in real life. Maybe it's not a deal breaker. If it is a deal breaker, then I have to make it a a really hard decision whether, you know, this is a relationship that I can continue to be in knowing that my sexual needs will not be met. And that is a very hard thing to discuss. And the other thing that I want to bring up, because this is a thing that comes up in some of the couples I see, is you have one person who has an interest. Let's say they really, really, really want to try anal sex. And their partner's like, no, no, I really am not comfortable with that. I don't want to do it. It's not for me. And then they keep asking and they keep asking. And it becomes this where it's a, it becomes, it feels like a pressure. And then it, it, that pressure is enough to turn off the other person and then put distance between them and could actually over time be destructive to the relationship. So we need to be able to be very aware of, even if we have wants or desires, that we don't put that kind of pressure on our partner. You need to get, your your partner has to be enthusiastic about it, not feel like they were railroaded into something that they really were not not into or were unwilling to really uh, do enthusiastically. Catherine? I really well said. <laughs> um, I agree uh, with everything that you guys said, except that I'd like to add that there's a point where you have to decide if if this is the person you want to do this fetish with as well. Okay. Because yes. there's times when it's your, your life partner and you want to do a fetish, but for whatever reason you don't want to do it with them. And um, that's something that comes up more often than people would think, especially if it's something to do with humiliation, mm. if, if they, they want to do it, but they don't want to lose the respect of the partner. Okay. Um, so there are times when going outside, consensually going outside of the relationship with, with boundaries and guidelines and, and a lot of negotiation, it turns out to actually be the healthier way to do it. Right. So for example, if you want to be, uh, if your fetish is to be humiliated, but your partner gets turned off by that, maybe you could make an arrangement where you visit a dominatrix. And she pees on you. Yeah. And she pees on you. <laughs> right. Uh, and that's about as far as it goes, right? It's like, you can decide exactly. that, that what the rules would be around that. So I think, the negotiating part has to happen, right? You have to, and I think that's what you were saying, Lexi, is there's, a, there's a, always a way to find some outlet that could work for both people. But again, you have to be, you have to get to a level in a relationship where having these conversations is okay. I don't know what, you guys are in a very open uh, you know, open relationships and open, if you're an open relationship, your communication has to be open, but there are a lot of couples who have a, a very hard time talking oh. about just basic sexuality. Forget yeah. the kink of, uh, you know, of sexuality. Catherine? The golden rule about negotiation is if it, if it makes you uncomfortable, if you find it hard to talk about, 
That's exactly what you should be talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's if true. you're only covering the easy, oh, yes, I like this and that, and you're not talking about the stuff that really is uncomfortable, that's when you know you're talking about the right stuff. I, that's a that's actually a golden rule of life. It's something I've taught my own, my kids, for example. I always say, if something in, in the world makes you uncomfortable, then you know it's something you have to confront. So yeah, well, go do it, you know, go, go do it, even if it makes you uncomfortable so you can overcome that and learn from it. Now, obviously, and the, the other expression is life begins outside of your comfort zone, yes. <laughs> right? You stay in that comfort zone, you're not really growing, uh, growing so much. So certainly. Well, uh, ladies, thank you so much. We've uh, pretty much run out of time, but what an interesting discussion tonight. Uh, Lexi, you have regular podcasts and such. So why don't you tell our audience about that? <laughs> Uh, I do. I have my regular podcast on Tuesday nights live on uh, Voice America, 5 p.m. Uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. But I also have monthly events called Cocktails and Erotic Tales, where you can come and listen to me reading my dirty erotic stories uncensored. And uh, I also talk a little bit about sex, which is great. Um, and you can also find me on all the socials where I talk also extensively about sex and also like to share some very naughty photos. Naughty of photos. So, yes, you uh-huh. do that. <laughs> shamelessly, shamelessly do that. Shamelessly so erotic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can find me at Lexi Silver. Lexi with an I, Silver with a Y, like Laurie said earlier. So Wonderful. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, go listen to her, read her book, and uh, enjoy. Thank you so much much. Catherine, thank you. And uh, I know people can find you at bdsmcircle.com. You bet. All right. Say hi to Pierre. (laughs) All right. Take care, ladies. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for uh, for all of uh, for listening, actually. And I apologize. I know some people tried to text in, and for some reason we're having an issue with our text board. So uh, I apologize for any of you who had questions and couldn't get through. So hopefully you can send them to me by uh, by email to laurie at drlaurie.com. Thank you to our technical producer, Chris Aikens, as well. Uh, you can connect with me on social media at drlauriebetito or through my website, drlaurie.com where you can pick up all the podcasts of all the past shows as well. Coming up next year on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion.